Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu slash visit. This is Logan Ryan, captain of the New York Giants and host of the NFL Player Podcast. I am the husband to Ashley Ryan, the father to Adrian Otto Ryan. I am also captain of the New York Giants. And recently, some people at the NFL reached out and had an idea that they were going to create an NFL players podcast with an active NFL player. For whatever reason, they decided I was the guy for the job. Honestly, I wasn't sure at first, but I said, you know what, I'm going to go for it. It's a leap of faith. And really, I want to encourage people to take risks, take the challenge. A little bit about me is... I got drafted out of Rutgers in 2013, third round, middle of the road type of pick. I wasn't the first rounder coming in of all the glory. I didn't have the commercials coming in about me. I wasn't invited to the draft, but I went to the New England Patriots and I really learned how to play at the highest level with some of the best players and the greatest coach in the world at 21 years old. By 22, and 24 years old, I won two Super Bowls. So I had that experience to tell. I uh, went to free agency and got a big payday and went down to the Tennessee Titans. Small market, uh, franchise that wasn't really good since 2000 and uh, really helped rebuild something there and really grew as a person and an individual and really got my voice in Tennessee. Just not a lot of people heard because the market was so small. Ended up coming to New York, the New York Giants where I am now born and raised in New Jersey, and step into the role as a leader, as a captain, as a guy with a Super Bowl experience um, that a lot of players are looking up to. It really is an interesting journey. So really, I feel like my chapters of competing for Super Bowls, taking a franchise to its peak, and really being part of a historic franchise like the New York Giants gives me the platform to really be the voice for the players to really have a podcast about the grind, a podcast about the reality of the NFL, the podcast of the stories um, that I have behind the scenes and hope you guys like it. It's a journey. We're in it together. It's my first podcast. There's a lot to learn, a lot of people to talk to, a lot of things to work on, but really we're just going for it. To kick it all off, I think as they call me Captain Logue now is the hashtag I go by for the New York Giants. I wasn't always a captain. Believe it or not, in year nine is the first year of my career I was voted a captain, but I always felt like I was the same guy, and it doesn't really change who I am. So we're going to talk about my journey, and we're going to talk about some captains I met along the way. We're going to talk to guys about leadership. Are you born a leader? Do you become a leader? Do you learn from other leaders? Or is it something that just was in you? All right, guys, so we have our first guest. This man has three, three Super Bowls, I believe. Two, he had to get with me, one without me. Devin McCourty of the New England Patriots. And me and Dev go back 
a long time. Dad, when did we first meet? That was my red shirt senior year back in 2009, a long time ago. Yeah, we actually met on the recruiting visit. You didn't actually host me, but I heard you had a terrible um, time as a host and you got a lot of guys to decommit. No, nah, it, it was brutal. I was a red shirt senior, and it was like, hey, can you be a part of this recruiting weekend? I'm like, man, I don't, I don't care about these recruits. I'm leaving in a few months. Uh, but they had the big dogs, like you coming in there, so they, they asked me to come. I still went to Rutgers, followed in your footsteps there. We both get drafted. We can argue about who had a better college career later. <laughs> but let's just talk about, I mean, look, when I met you, you were a captain at Rutgers. You're right, like you said, your fifth year. I know your brother was in the NFL already. It was kind of a weird situation, but so talk to me about you were like a captain in year two in New England, which was never heard of. So tell me about that process of being voted in year two as a captain of a franchise like New England Patriots. Yeah, man, it was kind of crazy. I think you you get voted captain, but you kind of sitting there like, I don't know why they voted me captain. Like there's no there's no shot that I'm a leader on this team. Um, but I would say it was a unique experience because I got to be in that meeting room every Friday in the captain's meeting. Tom, Bill, Vince, Mayo, Logan Mankins, Matthew Slater. Like, I would say when you look at the Patriots, all of those names are going to be Patriots Hall of Famers. You know, some of the greatest players that ever play uh, for the Patriots. I got a chance to be around those guys and learn from their leadership styles learn how they saw the game of football and how they saw how the team needed to progress during the week. So I learned so much as a second year player. And then the biggest thing I took away from those guys in that meeting was being a leader. The biggest part was just being yourself um, and then allowing guys to follow that and, and see what you did day in and day out. And nobody did that better than Tom. I mean, the hardest working guy was our best player every year. People know you have a twin, Jason. I'm better. Personalities couldn't be any different. I think you're a lot more energy, a lot more vocal and rambunctious. Jason's more reserved and conservative, which we both know. So it's really, really was your personality. Did you come in that vocal, that vocal guy? Like you kind of said it like, did you lobby to be a captain or did it kind of just happen? No, it really just happened. I mean, you know, Bill, all he talks about is leadership is attitude and performance. He tells guys, you need to be a leader within your group, within the team, even if you're not a captain. So never lobby to be a captain. Honestly, the first time I was ever captain of any sports team was my uh, my redshirt senior year in college. First <laughs> time ever being a captain. And most of that had to do with just not being one of the better players. So, But leadership, uh, I think I've always been pretty consistent just in who I, who I am and who I was as a player all through uh, my, my youth growing up. Yeah, and like one thing, because, you know, we had leadership groups in New England, right, of like different position group, and I was in that group uh, with you and, you know, maybe like eight guys on the defense or whatever. And one thing I learned there and I never heard was like guy like Dante Hightower. He's like, don't vote for me for captain. Like guys <laughs> didn't want it. Like you think the captain's like the job you want, you lobby, and most guys are like, man, I don't, even, I don't want the extra meetings. Like they don't, mm -hmm. like what entails being a captain? Why do you, I thought that was the realest thing I thought that was true leadership. A guy so real, like, yo, I don't want to be the captain. I kind of just want to lead behind the scenes. I feel like that's how New England was, was set up. What do you think? Yeah, and I, I think one of the, the things I've learned, too, with them being a captain is making sure the other leaders on the team, maybe they're not captains, but making sure their voices heard and making sure you empower those guys. Like when you and Duran came in there as rookies, 
yeah, you were just rookies, but it was it was easy to see that, like, all right, for me as a captain, like, right, I'm going to lean on these two young guys to be the leadership that, you know, when I'm not there or when I'm slipping up, that I need to be held accountable. Those are the roles you guys kind of played as young guys. And then, you know, for me, the coolest thing is to watch Duran go to Detroit and be a captain, see you down in New York being a captain, to Trey Flowers, to Chandler Jones, like just right. watching all of these guys who were kind of came in, even Hightower came in a couple years after me as like the young pups and just seeing y'all go places, being yourself and just showing true leadership no matter where you are. And like you said, bringing up J-Mac, I've learned a lot from him. He's been a captain on three to four teams he's been on. Like that's mm -hmm. hard to do, um, but it just shows how he is so consistent. And like you say, he's not loud. He just shows up and does his job every day and people respect that. And I think that's a huge part of leadership. Yeah, I think the most respectable thing that we're talking about, like people outside of sports, like just being comfortable in your own skin. And I felt like that took a little bit of time for me in the league to be comfortable in my own skin, how I was. Like, I felt like when I was in New England, I was doing all the right things, but I feel like you don't, it's hard to manage the media because you can only say so much, you feel like, you know, like my whole personality wasn't out yet because I didn't really know how to be myself without saying too much of the game plan or tipping too much or speaking about others, it really is like a fine line you gotta, you gotta walk. But one thing about New England that's interesting is you're a captain, right? But you get no captain patch, right? You guys don't do the patches. It's all about team and do your job, do your job. So did you ever want the captain patch? Like, like on, how, how do you we feel all, about we, that? We all want the C patch. I, we all <laughs> joke. We all joke that when we retire, we're gonna ask, we're gonna ask Stick, our equipment manager, hey man, just throw a little C on there and give me the stars underneath if I've been there four times. Like, I think everyone, I, and I think it, it has to do with like being a kid and growing up and seeing that and just thinking about like how cool it is to hang that jersey yeah. um, and look at that, you know, whether it's 10, 15 years later to be like, man, like I was a captain of a Super Bowl team where guys thought of me as a leader. I think that's so cool just to have someday. But I think in it, like in the situation, being a captain, it's not the biggest deal because like you say, you know, being a captain now, you deal with a lot of different things that I, I would say overall, you wish you didn't have to deal with within right. being on a team. When you get voted a captain, it's like you said, Hightower doesn't want to do it, but like his leadership shows up every year. Yeah, people it's vote. the same. Right, it's the same. Mm -hmm. It's exactly the same. And like, I just remember being in a Super Bowl. I think it was uh, against Seattle and looking up like above the scoreboard and they have like Tom and Gronk and they have like you and Earl Thomas, you know, and Tom and Russell and you and Earl Thomas. I'm like, dang, like my dog is like on the face <laughs> of the Super Bowl. But like, you're always the same dude, like since college, like the same guy, you were taking me to practice in 2009. Now we're in the Super Bowl together and you really didn't change. Like you didn't let it, I felt like you always stayed steady. Like what is your advice to these players who roles may change in teams or whatever? Like, I felt like you stayed pretty consistent through your, you know, the length of your career. Yeah, I think it's like you said, I think you have to be comfortable in who you are. Identity is a huge thing, not only in our league, but I think in life in general. And I think until young guys, especially young men, until they, develop and understand who they are you know you're easily swayed so many different ways and I think when you get some type of power authority like that can easily take over you and you kind of turn into something that you probably never thought would happen so I always encourage guys man find out who you are and stick to that like 
you're going to someday be a husband, a father. Like those people are going to count on the man you are, not the football player, not any of that stuff. So when you can be consistent in that and know who you are, um, I think you have a great chance to be a leader. And I'll always remember as crazy as our Garciano was, um, <laughs> one thing I always remember he said of leadership is being comfortable, being uncomfortable. And um, I remember all of the sayings he used to say, and I'd be like, man, I'm never going to use that. And like that phrase has stayed true my whole life, no matter it's been on the field or off the field. D-Mac dropping gems. So my last question before we let you go, did you ever think your boy would be in this seat hosting a podcast for the NFL and, and like where we are now? Pretty crazy, huh? Yeah, I think it's, like you said, it's it's been a joy for me to watch you. You were so quiet, like, your first two years. And like you said, we were together at Rutgers, but I was a senior. You and Du were freshmen, so, like, we were in totally different stages of our lives. But getting to see you come out of your shell and develop and then going down to Tennessee and developing the way that you did down there and leading that group, you know, I, for me, it's a no-brainer seeing you host this. I mean, I know Ashley does most of the work for your foundation, <laughs> but you get credit for it. But you do have some uh, a little personality on you that you can host the show. So uh, make sure you're doing a good job on here and uh, make sure the NFL is cutting big checks because they make big money. So make sure you're getting paid well. Do we hear that? Whoever's Don't edit that out. Don't edit that out. So that's my guy, D-Mac, man. I love you, dog. I'll be the texting. first guest on my first episode, who else would it be? That my boy, my captain. The guy I learned a lot from. I don't give him a lot of credit because this is our friendship. We just make fun of each other. <laughs> but that means we got love for each other. So I appreciate you. No doubt you, about it. No doubt about it. All right. So we got another guest joining us. One of my best friends in the league. I am always going to say one of the most underrated players in the league. A guy who had a ridiculous college career and has a ridiculous start to his NFL career. One of my favorite teammates, Kevin Byer from the Tennessee Titans. KB, what's up? What's up, Logan, man? I appreciate you bringing me on to the show. Have a good little conversation. So you're here for my first episode ever. So these are like my three favorite people. And you're my favorite <laughs> Tennessee Titan, as you know. And I'm and, glad to be in your close friends list. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to drop gems for people. Um, yeah. The first episode, I really wanted to talk about leadership. You know, and when I got to Tennessee, I left New England, filled mm -hmm. up great leaders. And I went to Tennessee. And I couldn't went to a, any of a smaller of a market. Mm -hmm. um, I remember like eating hot dogs and hamburgers after practice. I'm like, yo, this can't be real. It was kind of like how the other world was living. But then they had you, this guy they drafted out of Middle Tennessee, third round, didn't have a pick his rookie year. And you ended mm -hmm. up being a captain. Pretty what? Was that year two, year three? I think it was year three. I yeah, think it was year, year three. three. You were mm -hmm. a captain there. So tell me, about, tell me about being a captain. Tell me about when you were voted captain, did that change? Like, what, what, do, what do you think about it? I mean, well, you know how it is, man. When you get voted a captain, you know, on any NFL team, that's probably uh, one of the biggest, if not the biggest honor that you can get, you know, because at the end of the day, when you're playing this game and, and you know, when, when we're about to, when we're getting ready to retire and we're five, six years down the road, whatever, how long we're going to play, uh, the things we're going to remember is the locker room and the guys. And that's the guys that you play for. It's the guys you build the memories with. So for, you know, a group of the team or the entire team to vote me as a captain, of course, you know, that was a big honor for me. And it's like you said, man, you obviously came in my second year in the league. You know, obviously Tennessee wasn't good at all. I mean, we were solid my, my rookie year, but, you know, the persona and just the, the whole entire message, you know, around the city was, you know, we need to get some guys in here to help turn this program around. And, you know, you was a big part of that. You know what I'm saying? Just us just being 
in the secondary was a big part of, you know, changing the culture. And we talked about that in your first year, changing the culture of the whole city, man. And we really uh, made our imprint, you know, on the entire city. Yeah, I mean, me and you, we, we always viewed ourselves much more than football players. And we mm -hmm. always talked about vision. Like, yo, I remember me and you like sitting down, like, yo, we're going to take this city over. Like if Nashville gets Back. behind it, we start winning. Like we're going we're gonna to do it. And we literally mm -hmm. started to do it. Huge part of you going all pro, mm -hmm. grabbing all those picks. Do you feel like you, you kind of, we talked about this, do you feel like you've been snubbed and underrated and kind of behind the scenes because you're not in a big market like New York or New England? Like tell me right. how you feel about doing it in a small market. I mean, bro, it's been a blessing, honestly, because, you know, I feel like it's just all a part of my journey, all a part of my growth. Uh, obviously, having a big career in college, that's obviously really wasn't spoken of because I went to a smaller school, Middle Tennessee, uh, didn't get invited to the combine. I felt like I was snubbed for that. Uh, but I guess just my journey throughout the league, I've kind of been used to just playing that underdog, underrated, and I just relished in that. You know what I'm saying? I just think it's one of those deals that keeps, keeps a big chip on my shoulder. Just want to keep going out here balling out. So, uh, but now nah, you're right, man. We've talked about it too, like, Maybe if I would have played for uh, maybe New England or, or in L.A. or, you know, just in a different market, I'm sure things would be different. But like I said, man, I just look at it as like I'm blessed, man. I just take my journey how it is and, and uh, just relish in these moments, you know? You know, I'm a captain now in New York. And mm -hmm. um, many people assume I was a captain my whole career. Like, yo, you must have was your fourth <laughs> time. I got my patch. Right. The first time you gave me my patch, I had two stars. I'm like, hey, I'll take it. It's my first captain, but I'll <laughs> take the little two stars. And... Uh, yeah. It ended up, they fixed it the next week. I only had one star. I was like, damn, they caught me. Oh, man. But man, were, were you surprised that I was never voted a captain in Tennessee? Like, did you think it mattered? Like, I didn't go about my business any differently. Right, right, right. But how do you feel like, I feel like certain positions are voted captains, like quarterback and safety more than corner. Like, how many corners are voted mm -hmm. captains, right? You don't talk that much of that position. So were you surprised I didn't have a captain or anything? Do you think it changed how you viewed me or anything? Nah, I mean, you know, obviously it didn't change anything how I beat you because, I mean, you was the leader when you first stepped into our room. I mean, just looking back at those three years that we played together, just the mentality that, you know, you kind of brought to our room, not only just our room, just the entire team of, in the defense, you know what I'm saying? You was one of the few guys or only guys that ever even called a players only meeting, you know what I'm saying? Like, that was something that really wasn't done before, but you know how it goes, you know, sometimes when you're voting captains and stuff, you only got maybe one or two people on defense or one or two people on offense, then, you know, how people may vote captains based on stats, you know what I'm saying, maybe one year or another year, you know, but I always felt like the entire team had a certain level of respect. And honestly, just the organization had a certain level of respect for what you did day in and day out, not only just on the football field, but just small stuff, rather if it was the weight room. You know, I remember your last year in, in Tennessee, something that will probably never really get spoken about, but you was at the facility. I used to get to the facility. You know, we both get to the facility super early. I'm getting to the facility 630 in the morning, walking in the locker room, see Logan's shoes already on the floor. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, okay, he's been here. He's been here for a while. <laughs> I'm walking towards the training room and I look outside and Logan's out here doing ladders, doing ladder drills. And this is like week six, week seven. It's not like this is the beginning of the season. Yeah. It's like, you know, I'm just watching this. Like, okay, he's grinding. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's really locked in. That was the year, you know, you put up some, some all pro I feel like you were snubbed for that, some all-pro numbers uh, that year. So, like I said, those are the type of small things that, you know, really won't get talked about in the papers and stuff like that. But just, you know, the guys in the locker room understand that, I mean, we respect you from a different level just based off your work ethic. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think the work ethic and being – we talk to Devin McCourty a lot about being who you are, not changing. Like, 
oh, I'm a captain, so I'm going to start acting different. I'm going to start giving speeches. Like, if that ain't you, right. <laughs> the locker room's like life. They figure you out quick, you know what I'm saying? And, and the stuff I did, the extra stuff is coming off a broken leg and just stuff I just mm -hmm. wanted to go get it, bro. I wanted to go get right. it that for the team. And I and the better I was, the better the team would be. And I was going to put that work, and I learned that from, like, Tom Brady and Julian Edelman. Pulling in the parking mm -hmm. lot, 21 years old. Tom Brady's in year 15, <laughs> year 14, and he's beating me every day. And I'm like... Bro, right. like, what time do you get here? And he's like, early. I'm like, what time? He wouldn't even tell me. He just said <laughs> early. And I'm like, I'm going to wake up earlier and earlier. And it got to like 530. Right. I'm like, yeah, I can't. I can't. Like, I need sleep. I can't beat 530. You know, <laughs> but that's just stuff that I learned. And for you to see it from me, hopefully you, you're in there early. I'm sure the young guys learn from you. It's so funny, the chain of how it goes down. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's the beauty of, you know, the type of players that we are, because, you know, we obviously understand the impact of, you know, obviously you've gotten yourself into a position. You, was already, you already won Super Bowls. You already had, you know, stats and numbers and stuff like that. So to understand coming to a new locker room, I guess, was really just a bunch of young guys. You had me, you had Dory, uh, and we had Malcolm. So to understand just the impact that you was like, okay, I got some young guys in the room, and I've already become the player who I am, but I want to be able to pass knowledge down, pass work ethic. And, uh, and I think, obviously, me and the Dory is definitely receptive of it. Yeah. And it's the same thing position I'm in now, like, you know, it's funny, dog. I'm looking around the locker room in year six. I'm thinking like, damn, I'm starting to get up there in ages. And I'm looking around, I'm like, young. I got two rookie corners in the room. You know, I got a couple other young guys. And I'm like, I had to be that example every single day because they're watching. And you never know how much you can change a guy's career or their trajectory based upon some small stuff that they've seen, some tips uh, to be, you know, professional football players, man. I think it's great. Yeah, I think the biggest thing I learned, and it really shows who you are as a person, is when you have mm -hmm. success, you won Super Bowls, you're, you're playing at a really high level, you're getting picks, you're playing every game, you have a good process. Are you going to share those secrets or are you right. going to save them? Because I know some guys are like, hey, man, this is my process. I don't want no one. I don't want this rookie to catch up to me. I'm not sharing right. nothing. And I was trying to the point where I was open book. And I'm like, look, I'm going to tell KB everything. Like, he might not get, you know, massages or stretch now, but I'm going to tell him the importance <laughs> of it when he gets in year six. So when I got Absolutely. to over there, I was year five, six, and seven. So – Mm -hmm. I always wanted to share that because I'm like, man, I can't take this stuff with me, you know? Honestly, bro, I think that's probably, if not the biggest thing I probably learned from you because just like you said, man, when you came in your first year, like we had drafted a first-round corner. So, you know, as an older player, you're always looking at, okay, they got a first-round guy. may not be the long-term uh, deal, but at the same time, you never let any of that stuff get to, you know, obviously we bring in Malcolm, you know what I'm saying? We start bringing in other pieces. But at the end of the day, the only thing that you can do is focus on yourself and obviously just passing down knowledge and just, you know, trying to really do it for the team. I think that's something that was really underrated that most of the stuff that you did, obviously, was trying to put yourself in a position to be successful. But it was about the team being successful, the secondary being successful, because that's the main thing. We all know we all play good. We all good to take care of. You know what I'm saying? So that's always the message. And that's what I'm doing now. You know, I got a young guy, Monty Hooker, who was here when you was here. But I'm just trying to groom him to be the best player he can be. You know, obviously, I pray that every – Every player on our defense or every player on our team gets a big contract. That's what you love to watch, especially a guy that come up under you to get a big contract. Whether that's here or not here, it doesn't really matter to me. I just want to make him the best player that I can by not only just teaching him stuff, talking to him, but just being an example. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and it's not like that everywhere. And the last question I'm going to leave you with, and this is something I had for you because you're so philosophical and you really, you're really good at voicing what you're looking ahead. Do you think mm -hmm. a leader is born? Or do you think it's something that you're groomed or you think it's both or what, what do you think? It's funny. I think, you know, you had to be born, be born with certain qualities about yourself, but I do think that you're definitely groomed because I think one of the biggest thing about it being a leader 
is you have to be a follower first. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't just go out here and be like, oh, because you see it a lot of times, man, right if it's, you know, first overall draft pick quarterbacks or different positions that get drafted so early and they're getting thrown into, you know, maybe a bad situation. They're supposed to be this big leader. And it's like, you have to learn how to be a leader first. You have to have good guys to watch and follow. So just over my entire football playing career, not just only in the league, I've always had a lot of good people that I can watch and just take small stuff from. But I do feel like that's a quality that I already had, like just being able to watch and learn and, and take good stuff that I need to take versus just, you know, some stuff go in one ear and out the other. So I always was, was a guy that paid attention. So I definitely feel like you're groomed more than just being born. I think it's certain qualities you're being born with, but I had good guys, man. I had you, I had, you know, Wood, I had Drill, I had all these different guys that I could follow. And I just, you know, picked up from where you guys left off, you know? Well, you're definitely that guy now. I'm not there anymore. And, and you're the leader in that <laughs> locker room and uh, people tune in to watch you play. And I know in Tennessee, every kid has a buyer jersey just because of what you've done for that state and, sure. and just your play, man. You do it the right way. So I love you. Appreciate you, dog. No, all right, dog. Love you, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, love you too. No problem. All right, last guest here, a fan favorite, a leader on his organization, a great player, uh, one of my teammates, a co-captain, Saquon Barkley. So, say I appreciate you joining us, man. No problem, dog. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so let's get right to it, dude. I mean, me and you, I think we have a little bit of bond when we kind of talk about Kobe Bryant and work ethic and grind and what people don't see. So what do you think our connection is? Yeah, I would agree with that, especially using Kobe as an example. When I went down with an injury last year uh, with ACL and uh, you're a guy that I came to and, and talked to and, you know, you kind of gave me a little bit of motivation when, when you uh, broke your leg a couple years ago and how you were up early in the morning, how you had that mama mentality, how you grinded and you used that experience to help you get better. You know, just with the Kobe Bryant mentality and that mama mentality, uh, when you have two guys that uh, are alphas and, and want to continue to get better every single day and, and improve every single day, you kind of just mesh well together. I mean, you talked about how, like, literally your arrival to New York, like, literally, you, were, you, you committed to Rutgers. I mean, we couldn't pull it off. Honestly, I think you made a good move for yourself. But you said, like, yeah, I didn't get nice until... This year of high school, I didn't get nice till college. Like, I think people say Saquon Barkley, and I kind of dealt with it with Derrick Henry. I was real close with Derrick, too. Like, oh, look how big he is. Look how big his quads is. Like, yeah, you have a lot of God-given ability. But tell me about, quickly, about, like, your journey of, like, you weren't even that rec highly recruited and the work ethic you had to put into becoming the number two overall draft pick or whatever people see now, like, in that continuum, you know? Don't get me wrong. Uh, I, I am blessed and, and fortunate enough with a with a lot of God-given ability. But when you get onto this stage and you, you, you've had a lot of success and you made a lot of big plays and a lot of highlights, a lot of people just think that it's just God-given. Just think that you didn't work for it. And I had to put a lot of work in. From high school, from my sophomore year, going into my junior year, when I committed to the weight room, committed to conditioning, committed to training and getting better, I was like five, six, five, seven, 155 pounds. Uh, and that's when Rutgers offered me off of a JV highlight film. When I committed, obviously, everyone knows the story. I did commit and went to Penn State. But it was in that time when, you know, that scholarship from Rutgers kind of just built my confidence. And when you have that confidence behind you, and I'm really fortunate enough and blessed to have both parents in my life and have a great father figure uh, who helped instill confidence in me too, showed me that obviously God's going to bless you a lot, but you got to work for it. And I just changed. My mindset just changed. I started working, went from 150 to 190 pounds, and then to my senior year, uh, from 190 pounds to 200 pounds. And then all that hard work that I put in high school, 
uh, I got to display that early on in my freshman year uh, when I got some take early on. Then just even there, I had a pretty successful freshman year, and then it's just like, damn, like I want to go higher. I want to, I want more. I want more. I want more. And I just push myself. And you know, people see the, the clip of me cleaning 405 pounds, right? But no one see the clip of me failing. They don't see the 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 hard work put in. And I feel like that's not just only for myself, but a lot of NFL athletes, a lot of people fail to realize there's a lot of hard work to, to get to where we're at. Right. So I go, you know, my story, I come out of Rutgers, middle round pick, third round, went to New England. New England was like New York, compete for everything, not handing nothing, do your job. I'm playing with Tom Brady. I'm playing with the best of the best. And it kind of felt like I was joining the Chicago Bulls. And my job wasn't to mess it up. Go do my job, do my role, say what you say in the media, but that's it. And I'm competing for championships right away. Now you fast forward, you meet me in year nine, this polished leader, this guy who gave the speeches. And when I talked to Devin McCourty, he's like, yo, you didn't talk for like until year two. I came in, you were a personality already in year three of, of the league and you're already a captain for a year or two. So you kind of came in right to it. Like, how do you feel you were prepared to come in as a captain in New York? Do you just think it's your personality? Like it's two different kind of stories here. So tell me how you, how you go about it. Uh, the way I went about it, to be honest, it goes back to high school. I never really was, uh, uh, you know, that leader vocally. I always was the one that maybe I would do it by my work ethic, but I would just do it selfishly. You know, I was working for myself. People might have took notice of that, of how I was pushing myself, and that kind of brought others along. And then it happened again at Penn State. I was forced again. And then my rookie year, I wasn't voted captain, but I got to sit back and, and watch uh, a guy like Eli Manning, pro bowler, uh, future Hall of Famer, and got to see how he operated, even though it was late in his career, to see how he operated from that first year, just took all that knowledge and all that wisdom that I took from him and kind of just instilled it into my game and into to my work ethic. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to, to be voted captain my second year. And it kind of, Eli left, uh, we traded Odell, we just drafted a new uh, quarterback and that role was kind of like, who, who's going to fill that role? Who's going to fill that role? Right. Uh, I started getting better at that in my rookie year. Uh, it's kind of hard when you're a 21 year old rookie uh, and, and, you know, trying to talk to a 38 year old vet and, and get, get him going. And, and, and what can I really say to him? I kind of just jumped on it and, and went back to what I do best. And that's just, just lead by, by example, come in and work every single day, be that guy to try to help bring the team together through the highs and the lows. And I, I like you said, uh, I know I met you in year nine and I was shocked when I asked you, have you ever been a captain? And, and you told me this is going to be a first time. I was, I was very shocked, but just your experiences that you've had. And I, I was very fortunate enough to have that at a short career. You kind of have that opportunity because when you were in New England, you know what I mean? It, it was still Brady. It was still this guy and that guy. Uh, Eli kind of left. Eli was there. That role was kind of, you know, for the taking for for me to come up and 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 establish myself in that leadership role. Yeah, and I mean it's the truth, dude. Like I remember my first practice, me and you talked about joking about the jersey number twenty six. We had a hard Joe Judge day of a practice. You know how that was? It was grueling training camp practice, one of the hardest I've ever been a part of, regardless of franchise. And after practice, you're running extra sprints. And you're immediately one of the best players on the field. I'm like, yo, this dude's legit. Like, let me see him. Cause I'm the type of dude, like, I want to see him. Like, if you want to see him great, watch how I practice. Like, that's where you really get the gems on how dudes do it. And you were running after practice. And I was there my first day and dudes were passing out in practice. And I'm out running everybody. And I wasn't even on a team. Yeah. I was like, bro, y'all don't know. This is like, what I do at home is harder than this. You know what I'm saying? People don't see it. 
So that's how I knew, like, yo, this kid is different. This kid is definitely different. Not just Saquon Barkley, the blah, blah, blah. Like, this man is working. I appreciate and I my respect. You know what I'm saying? So my last thing I want to hit you with is obviously, like, you've done a great job for your athleticism and all that stuff. But really, as a person, building your brand, Saquon Barkley, like, the, the person, the humanitarian, the athlete, the brand. Tell me what goes into that. You don't have a lot of kids, a lot of parents maybe listen to this. NFL is going to put this out all over the place. So tell me what, like, how do you go about your business now that you're a celebrity or whatnot? But, but tell me about your brand. How much more goes into it than just running and lifting and catching the ball and running the ball? The way I've grown my brand is just by being authentic. <laughs> a lot of times people do grow their brand, but uh, they do it in a way that's not really who they are. You know, me, like, I, I don't do stuff to... You know, like some some stuff that has blown up or uh, videos. Like I'm not like, I'll oh, put the camera on me, can't put the camera on me, like let's do this, let's do it. I'm not like that's not my type of style. Like I'm I'm working and there might be a camera there or something like that, it would catch me and then that would go viral. Or, you know, I, I would do a good deed for a kid or do something like that. There's there's been multiple acts that I've done, whether it's I'm at a mall and I, I buy a kid a shoe or where at a restaurant, I do this, I do that. I'm not really one of those guys that are like, hey, take the phone, like film me doing this. You know, God's blessed me and put me in a situation that um, I can have impact and, you know, I can make change and in people's lives just because you, I'm able to, you know, hold a football and run it, and run it really well. I, I'm aware of that. So uh, that's why when people come up to me and ask me for pictures or sign stuff, uh, I just try to be polite as, as I can. And, and I know that little moment can mean the world to that person or can mean little to that person. Just being authentic and being real and, and just trying to uh, make an impact as long as I can because, you know, this game could be taken from you at any moment. You know, my Twitter handle is real Logan Ryan, and this man is real. Like, I trust me, I was looking for the fake. I was like, let me see if this dude's real. Let me see if he's really going to practice. Let me see if he's really going to run these sprints. And he's really like that. You're a good dude, man. You know that. You're my guy. Appreciate you taking the time. Appreciate you being on my first episode. So hopefully it does great numbers. All right. No problem, bro. Thanks for having me. Yeah, dog. Appreciate you, man. All right. So we're wrapping up here, and uh, we talked to three guys from three different chapters of my life. We talked a lot about leadership. We said the word captain a lot. Um, all these guys are captains, including myself, um, at different stages of the career, different journeys. And I think the one thing we learned that being a captain is overrated. Um, I think everyone agreed that when they got voted a captain, they didn't really change what they did anyway. And a captain who does change how they act or a boss or someone gets promoted and starts acting differently really rubs people the wrong way. So I would encourage everybody from what I learned from a young stud like Saquon Barkley, uh, potential Hall of Famer Devin McCourty or a guy in the peak of his career, Kevin Byard, is really be yourself um, on the field, off the field, at work, at home. Really be yourself, be authentic, um, go about your business, care about people, and the rest will come your way. And honestly, regardless of being a captain in year nine in my career uh, or taking nine years, I had great leadership and impact on all these guys. And they, and they really, especially Kevin Byard and Saquon, they really felt that of me still being a leader, doing things they saw day in and day out that doesn't get a lot of attention, might not be written about, but really showed them the ropes. And I wasn't afraid to share with them. And honestly, hope you guys enjoyed it. It was really fun to talk about leadership. Captain Logue is out. Thanks for joining us on the NFL Players Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and follow at NFL Players Podcast on Instagram for the latest player stories and to connect with the NFL Players community. 
Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes Film.com to get tickets now.